Hello! Welcome, everybody, to the fifth ever episode of the Horrible Things Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about horrible things, as you might have guessed from the title of this podcast. I am your host, Emma Sexton, and today I am joined by... Me, Larsa McDonald. Hey, howdy. And Caitlin Boo, again, for the fifth time. Look at that. As of the time we're recording this, we haven't released the fourth episode. So I was like about to say the fourth did I, episode did of I Horrible Things. Did I just spoil that there no, is no. a fourth episode? Oh, <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> but um, uh, obviously, as you can tell, we don't have Chase on the podcast here with us today. No, we I have. He was him. gruesomely murdered. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, today we will be discussing. <laughs> <laughs> so Chase we replaced him and his replacement will be discussing Chase's murder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is the the first episode of discussing chase's murder with your host <laughs> larsa mcdonald aka the murderer <laughs> oh, oh. it's been solved look at that <laughs> that's easy I guess it's the end of uh, get... hey larson tell us a little bit about yourself Introduce yeah yourself. Okay. i want to know larson what when how involved are you in true crime and that sort of thing what do you know uh, well see that's the problem with this is i'm just like chase and i literally don't know anything <laughs> about anything at all involving true crime like i'm i'm the kind of person that like doesn't even listen to podcasts so i'm kind of the hypocrite here being on a podcast Good, about true crime and i don't even basically know what it is so so yeah. basically he's the one <laughs> listening in on me and emma's conversation yeah. interjecting like actually actually though um i disagree or you just give your opinions to, like, that's yeah. what we're looking for You're yeah the... exactly I'm, I'm the perfect candidate right oh yeah yeah, yeah. exactly Chase is listening to this. She's like, but I'm the perfect kid. Chase is like, but I'm the one that doesn't know anything. <laughs> Congratulations, Larson. Uh, you've been cast as the role of person who knows zero. Clueless bystander interjecting in conversation. Yeah, like literally, guys, you don't like. I was literally just walking down the street and then Emma just goes outside and says, like, hey, you want to be on our podcast? And I was like, sure, I got nothing to do today. And so I literally don't know anything. So we grabbed him. We <laughs> yeah, dragged yeah. him inside. We have not yeah, met Chase, Larson until today. So yeah, Chase just passed away and then and then they were just like, <laughs> we saw a blood, a blood covered Larson and said, he looks like he knows about true crime. Would you like to be on our podcast? Yeah, I'm actually, I secretly know everything about true crime. There we go. That's nice to know. Because I am true crime. <laughs> nice to so, meet you. <laughs> so today, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking about a case that is pretty recent. We're going to be talking about the Hollywood Ripper. Ooh. So in terms of our levels of knowledge on this topic, <laughs> earlier I'm accidentally yeah. said the Hollywood Nipper, <laughs> and I just can't stop. I said the Hollywood Kipper. Oh, Kipper. I like Nipper better. It won't. <laughs> the sound of you saying it won't stop echoing in my mind. Just, I just thought I'd let you know. So if you ever see me smile when you say it, you know why. Isn't a kipper like the person who um kipper's a dog? Does skipper. the sh- the ship? That's yeah, skipper. Skipper. skipper, skipper, the Hollywood skipper. Let's just name things that rhyme with Ripper. The Hollywood Dipper, Big Dipper. The Hollywood. The Hollywood Tripper. Hollywood. <laughs> that, that's that what, and right. that is actually what it's about the person who walks around hollywood tripping people larson's really good with rhymes because he writes songs so. oh yeah wait okay yeah before we actually start i know i oh, just boy. announced the topic but let's get um let's get your guys's plugs where can they find you on instagram what, what do you want to give a quick plug here i always plug myself so you guys probably know but hey follow uh katie foo on instagram if you want to check me out look at my films 
or Keglin, C-E-G-G-L-Y-N, where I post <laughs> photos of eggs that I eat. Um, and follow me at Larson.McDonald. I don't know. That's just, that's all it is. And just, Larson, what are you a part of? I'm a part of a band called Creative Differences, and we have released two songs. Three songs, right? They, oh, no. And they're put very good yeah. on Spotify. We're, we're in the process of releasing more right now, though. Hopefully this summer we can have an actual, like, EP out. That's that's the goal. But, you know, we're just a band of two guys right now just, just looking to have fun and make some tunes. They have to do the best goddamn cover of... Um, uh, T- t- take me out and kids oh, I've yeah. ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've ever fun. seen with my eyes. So I don't even know what those songs are. They're, you know the songs take like me out. Oh. Well, the original music is really great. So yeah, yeah well, that, guys, that's check true. that out. And as always, you can find me on Instagram. My personal Instagram is at Horrible Things Podcast. I'm nowhere else on social media. <laughs> if you want to see my face, that's the only place you can find Emma it. Emma doesn't have a face. She's just an entity that exists. Her whole being is Horrible Things Podcast. If you saw this live, guys, it's just Caitlin a Larson light. and a microphone. <laughs> and a ghostly light that like has a voice. Who talks about murder. And when the podcast isn't recording, it disappears. Exactly. <laughs> guys, if you want to see that uh, ghostly form, please go follow at Horrible Things Podcast. In all actuality, actuality, we have post um, updates about the podcast. And if you want to see updates about the happy things we talk about at the end of the podcast, I've been trying to post oh, all so those. Oh, so going to be some good things. Okay. Okay, cool. Oh, uh, yeah. At the end. But it's so like our happy, happy Yeah, there are oh, happy okay. things. That's good. So like I said earlier, guys, we're going to be talking about the Hollywood Ripper today. And the Hollywood Ripper is obviously just his stage name, or stage name, I guess, what? First name Hollywood, last name Ripper. (laughs) But his real name is Michael Gargiolo, and he is 43 years old, and currently this trial is actually going on right now in Los Angeles, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Even though these murders happened in 2001. We love a good hometown murder. Yeah, it it really is. Wait, did you say... The murders happened in 2001. The trials. When did the trial start, though? Like the actual. Uh, trial. preliminary hearings for the trial were in 2017, but the actual like oh, wow. testimonies and stuff for this year. Yeah, it takes a really okay, long okay. time to get those like. Yeah, jeez. The evidence Rolling. and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you've heard anything about this case, probably what you've heard most about it, which has been all over the news, is that Ashton Kutcher is a key witness in um all of this because one of the women who was murdered actually, uh, he was he was at her home the night she was murdered oh wow so well, this just got really interesting i know it is, celebrity it is crazy <laughs> it, it is strange though because every when i was going to like look things up for this case i was expecting to find more things about the actual crimes you uh-huh. know like you look up ted bundy and yeah. pretty much immediately what you get is everything about his crimes yeah. but you look up this guy's name and all you get is like ashton kutcher to be key witness in new trial like there's zero about anything else evidence (laughs) yeah the wikipedia page for this thing is like two sentences about (laughs) it's like a paragraph about the victims it's very strange i've never seen anything like that where it's like i guess having a celebrity involved takes over everything else about this case yeah and I think it's also especially weird when you're thinking about um, a cele- like why a celebrity involvement is so strange. And I think it's because, I think also in a sense, not just like aside from the fact that he's just just a celebrity, it's that the fact that he's a key witness, it makes it all kind of more real. The fact that his 
this celebrity, like almost like this um, higher figure, so, like is a key witness to a murder. Like he was there, you know. Yeah. So it just kind of makes him a little more like, oh my, like this is real, you know. Yeah, it's totally, well, it's, it's just crazy. It's a name they can throw out there that people recognize and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it's like, hey, I'm gonna click on that now. Yeah, that's that that's very true. The only good thing that the Wikipedia page had is that obviously he's known as the Hollywood Ripper, but. It had that he's also sometimes known as the chiller killer. <laughs> I, I do not know. I hate this. He never murdered call, anyone in a freezer. Let's call him the chiller killer now. <laughs> That's just so killer. strange. Like, I'm not quite sure why that is. Um, well, do you like, know why he's called the Hollywood Ripper? There- because he murdered people in Hollywood. Well, chiller maybe because like, like ch- you chills. Well, yeah, chill but, like, where did Ripper come from? Is it just a cool? Uh, you'll find out scene? when I describe oh, okay, the crime okay, scenes. Okay. That's all I got to say about all that. Right, it's pretty right, pretty gruesome. But the chiller <laughs> killer, like, is chiller have a, a meaning? I don't know. Chill, about. I think they just mean like oh, he's chills. Just, he's like laid chill. back. You know, he's just he, he's very chill. This man had no chill. <laughs> so the no chill. <laughs> maybe kill. that's the irony. The in no it. chiller killer. Okay, so. We're um, actually going to go in kind of a, a different order in terms of his crimes, because what's strange about this case is that even though the first murder of his happened in 1993, this case was a cold case for seven years, hmm. eight years. It didn't really pick up traction until after uh, he murdered for a second time. And for those of you that don't know, a cold case basically is a case where they tried investigating it, but after a while, they kind of... Chiller killer. Cold case. I don't think that's why, Emma, but... It makes so much sense. It makes I think more we're sense, going with that. We're going with that for but sure. But basically, <laughs> so it's like a case where they kind of... Basically, they did the investigation stuff, nothing came up, and they just kind of so forgot they, about it. So yeah. it yeah. kind of sat around just like... kind of put it in the freezer it, for a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, a chiller yeah. or something. Yeah. You know? Oh. Oh. Do you think that's how... Maybe that's and he how was they a got killer? the name Hollywood Ripper. Oh, that was it. <laughs> no. The chiller was in Hollywood. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's just this case especially is crazy because because of that. Because it is a cold case that suddenly picked well, up traction so again. long ago though too. Yeah. Like, holy cow. Yeah. And it, it's, it's pretty crazy. So we're actually not going to start on that first murder in 1993. We're going to go in kind of a chronological order in terms of how these cases were actually solved. Oh. Ooh. I like it. Okay, so let me set the scene. It's 2001. Uh, the person, un- the victim in this situation is a woman named Ashley Ellerin. So she was um, basically very involved in the social scene in Hollywood in 2001. She was um, a model and she was working in uh, fashion mer- merchandising. She actually went to FIDM, which is a really good um, design and fashion school. And she actually was a part of the fine arts undergraduate degree at UCLA, which is like a huge accomplishment, but she was 22 uh, at the time of her murder. So she was living in Hollywood uh, at this time, not living on campus, but she actually had roommates and people would come visit her a lot because she was, as I said, very big on the social scene. So a few weeks before her killing, um, Michael uh, Gargiolo, had showed up at her door and had just said, I'm Mike and I'm the air conditioning repairman uh, for this building and I'm here. I can fix whatever you need. Chiller killer? <laughs> oh my God. Oh. <laughs> Wait. 
that might actually make there's, more sense. There's so many why there's so many cold aspects or uh, I don't know low what, no, temperature he, aspects to this case. <laughs> yeah, wait. I guess like, but is he there, also did heating. Oh no, ooh. he was he was an so he was an air conditioning repairman, and yeah. uh, something that all these victims had in common is that their friends said they were very outgoing and very open to meeting new people and just like weren't very naturally suspicious so of people. Easy targets. Well, my yeah, but I what I think is I'm sure he had other people who he tried to yeah. do it to, and they they're not like in the news or anything because they're the ones that said no. So I think the people that did get killed maybe it wasn't necessarily he was specifically going out for outgoing people it's just those are the people well, that gave him an opportunity here's the thing though she had roommates uh, or a former roommate at least who would talk about this and say like the people around her were uncomfortable with the fact that after those few weeks he would just start showing up at her house unannounced and try to like integrate himself in with her so, and like, her friend group she wasn't very aware of how suspicious that was and stuff no. that her friends were. so maybe he found like an outgoing person first after using that first trick and then once he found someone that he like, the only main thing in common is that these are all people who are very social and all of them are very beautiful like all these all the think, women that he murdered but do you think he specifically targeted them first because they're out he they was known or did it give him an opportunity he was known to stalk his victims for okay weeks and weeks before he would kill them actually so it is it is um I think that he would pick the victim and it just so happened like he would start showing up at uh, Ashley Ellerin's house unannounced and just trying to integrate himself in with her friend group and one of her former yeah, roommates <laughs> right how, it's strange how, how old is he around this time uh let's see this is in 2001 right now he's 43 so oh, he's so like in like his 30s? late 20s or 30s okay. something like that 30. I, I can't do math um <laughs> but he one of her former roommates actually once was talking about how he was coming back to their house at like 3 a.m and when he pulled up they saw michael uh gargiolo just sitting outside of their house in his car watching the house <laughs> and that was just his mo it's just he would sit there and just watch people and stalk them that's, that's a huge fear of mine because yeah. i my windows on the second floor of my house of to my room and it faces the street and i have this like constant like paranoia that like there's a car just like waiting outside or someone oh, really? standing there you know and so because my window faces the street so it's like yeah I'll periodically i think it's just because i'm paranoid because of all the s true crime stuff i listen to <laughs> but because i know people stalk and just stand outside of houses before you know anything yeah a lot of times before things happen so i'll check just to you know just in case and stuff and my biggest fear is just that a car i won't recognize or i guess in this case they knew who it was but still just creepy yeah just a car there like wait like just outside your house that yeah way. i guess i also have a similar fear because i have two windows in my room which face out toward the backyard and i always am scared that like because you know people it's not hard to hop the fence like i'm always yeah. have that fear that someone could come into my backyard and then my room is right there the fact you know? that they're just so, the fear of someone just standing outside your window when you look over you yeah know? literally like I, that used to scare me a little bit like um but i literally sleep up against my window like right up against it and it's a huge window and it, it i'm on the first story and it just leads right out front and i've never really like really that's never really See, bugged me that's my <laughs> I biggest I, I would be less freaked out i think if i lived on the second floor but i'm also yeah, on, on the ground floor me and that freaks weird. me out because it's way easier to if just, you're on the second floor it's harder for you to run emma if that, that's, a fact. that's a fact 
But um, it's I wanted to read two um, quotes that were said actually in the trial. So Dan Akimon, I hope I said that right, and it's not Akimon or something. Uh, he's the district attorney for LA County. And here are two quotes that he said in the opening statements of the trial. So one is, what you'll hear is that Michael Gargiolo for almost 15 years was watching and waiting. And then another um, quote that he said was, his hobby was to wait for the perfect opportunity to attack women in and around their homes, Hmm. which is just like terrifying. Yeah. You know, that's. I'm not going to sleep well tonight. Yeah. Stalkers really. (laughs) Larson, a woman in the L.A., a gorgeous, (laughs) outgoing woman in the L.A. area. (laughs) Just, but, but it's just, you got me thinking about oh, yeah, the whole yeah. idea that I'm literally like right up against a window and like oh, the front yard, like sticking out. Like I'm literally like five feet from the sidewalk. Just, <laughs> I hate the idea of stalking. Like sometimes stalking stories, like just yeah. personally, like in the back of my head, freak me out more than the actual murders. Yeah. So on that actual night, February 21st, 2001, Ashley Ellerin uh, was supposed to have a pretty normal night. She actually had plans to go on a date with Ashton Kutcher that night. And uh, obviously the night turned out very differently because around 10, 15 p.m., her friend swung by her house trying to grab her keys, but Ashley didn't answer the door even though her car was there. 30 minutes later, Ashton Kutcher went to her house to pick her up for a date, but there was no answer at the door. And he said that since he was so late, he assumed that she was just angry and didn't want to answer the door. And that's why she, she just wasn't there, even though he knew her car was there. As he was leaving, he saw a large red pool of liquid, which he assumed would be was red wine, spilled near the entrance to her bedroom. In reality, it was blood. As Ellerin was lying in her house, viciously murdered, already by this point in the night. The next morning, her friend that had stopped by the night before to grab her keys saw Ashley laying in the hallway near her bedroom, and she was brutally stabbed to death. She was stabbed 47 times. Oh, my god! Some of the wounds were six inches deep. She was almost decapitated by how deep the wounds were on her neck, uh, and one of the stab wounds in her head actually took out a chunk of her skull because of how forceful it was. Oh, wow. So detectives who were on the case noticed that the body had been moved and posed and they found that the actual scene where she'd first been stabbed was she got out of the shower and put on a robe and when she was walking around in the bathroom outside her uh, shower, he, Michael had broken into her house and that's when he started stabbing her and mm. she was later moved near her bedroom. Jeez. So that was like, obviously brutal. It but is I mean, brutal. Like, Ashton Kutcher, uh, just thinking it's red wine that spilled. Like he must just. That must have been crazy to realize later yeah. what actually like happened. Just, yeah. The part that's crazy to me is like sometimes I think when you talk about like a stabbing, it almost doesn't seem as horrible as like being shot or something like that. At least sometimes in my mind. But thinking about it's how very... forceful a stab wound must be oh, to almost man. decapitate someone. And it's so personal when you're stabbing yeah. someone you got to get up close they're going to be like screaming for help and stuff and you're right mm-hmm. there in front of them yeah and to do it 47 times that's 40, a lot that's like anger that's a frenzy because it takes time to even stab once to do it 47 times yeah what like what motivates a person to just be that like like i mean because you like have you said, just like asked the question them. every single person who's in, <laughs> I know, yeah. in true crime asks <laughs> exactly. why but it's just, um 
I don't know, because like like you were saying, it like a, a gunshot that's far away. That's not as it's not up as close personal. and personal, yeah. but something yeah. like that. So that's why they thought times or whatever. That's like mm-hmm. that's that's so. They thought he might be a serial killer that's because crazy. of that, because they had ruled out. Okay, this isn't a robbery. It wasn't a sexual assault. No. So what is this? And people who, uh, if you look into like people's motives typically for what sort of crimes people that stab almost always know their victims and that's another reason for how they could tell right off the bat he must have been watching these women for weeks because he knew them and he knew their homes and he knew when they were alone and that's terrifying to me it's interesting that um that it wasn't a sexual assault yeah it was purely just for murder because usually things like this where they stalk out assume it's like a fantasy thing, you know, or it turns into that. It's interesting because later on you'll see one of the murders does have an element of like a weird sexual component, but none of the other ones did. And there's not even any particular um, like mention. There's no particular mention of stabbing anywhere that you would see normally for people who are sexual sadists. It's like this was purely it's just to the- kill. Yeah. And obviously Ashton Kutcher isn't like what this story should or is about. But I I think that like just because we're so familiar with him to bring it up, it's crazy, you know, that that's something he experienced. Like about to go on a date and you find out she's viciously murdered right before and you saw her blood and you thought like. And he was like right there before like, like, yeah. Like what he had to go (laughs) through. Like that's crazy. I guess the only thing that really annoys me about the coverage of it is just. When I see the the videos and the articles, Ashton Kutcher's girlfriend was murdered. I'm like, like she no. had a name and she had a life and that yeah. all got taken away. But all anyone is going to remember her as is Ashton Kutcher's girlfriend. Yeah, that's that's the, true. That's the thing. It's very much like when you're talking about murders and stuff, you always have to remember that the victims were people. And this, we talked about this before. That's also something to remember where a celebrity isn't even involved. Sometimes it becomes yeah. too involved about the actual killer and the, like, um, the, interest in the killer itself but now that there's a celebrity element to it that's much more difficult to do yeah that's for give sure. attention to the victims yeah. yeah so after this stabbing detective tom small was the lead detective on the case and he was interviewing witnesses people who were around her people who were near her and over and over again the weird air conditioning guy basically kept coming yeah. up people kept saying yeah there was this guy hanging around and after interviewing a bunch of witnesses they eventually got um michael michael gargiulio's name he got his name and in fall of 2002 this murder happened february 21st 2001 in fall of 2002 is when the case is really able to start progressing and strangely the reason it's able to start progressing isn't because of a hollywood murder at all it's because of a completely different murder that had happened uh over 10 years or no almost 10 years prior so small receives a visit from two cook county to sh- uh sheriffs that's from chicago area Wait, like who's near small there again yeah uh he's the lead detective on ashley uh, okay. ellerin's case oh, okay and they're reinvestigating the 1993 murder of 18 year old trisha pacasio okay guys we have looked up how to pronounce the last name i am having a really hard time finding any videos so if it's wrong don't kill us but she- <laughs> but she's 18 18 years old yeah so although the murders did happen in different states the detectives from chicago found out that they were they actually were very similar in the mo 
So on August 14th, 1993, Trisha was murdered between 1 and 2 a.m. in the small suburb that she was living in outside Chicago. Um, in the morning, later that morning, when her dad came outside to walk the dog, he saw, quote, two little tennis shoes sticking up and found the body of his daughter outside of their house on the sidewalk. Oh, my God. Trisha had been assaulted. Her left arm had been broken. She'd been stabbed six times in various parts of her body and left to die on the sidewalk just outside of her house. Oh, my God. After her parents found her, they were both um, actually taken to the hospital because they were in shock. So, unfortunately, even though there were um, there was DNA found underneath her fingernails of who they presumed would probably be her killer, the case was basically cold until 2011. Uh, in 2011, there was a special that got done on Trisha's case. Um, CBS did a 48 hours mystery, which is like a cold case show about her. And after this aired, two new witnesses came forward in mm. response. And they testified that um, Michael Gargiulio, the Hollywood Ripper, who actually had moved to Hollywood after being Trisha's neighbor at that exact same time, living in the neighborhood, had told them about the murder. Keep in mind that at this time, he's 17 years old and her neighbor. 17. That's crazy. I'm 17. That's crazy how they connected those um, cases. I'm sure we'll get into that, but that's interesting yeah but yeah, just like, it's just where can you be in your life to where at 17 years old you're like i don't know i just can't even imagine that's insane you'll see for a lot of serial killers that we you'll like ever hear about their kind of psychopathic tendencies start when they're really young like yeah. ted bundy yeah. try to you told me he tried to drown um yeah try like to a drown when someone. he was like 10 or something like or young yeah like really wow young. but it's just crazy to me that it's like 17 years old a stabbing and he broke her arm that's and this is someone that it's not that he just saw her around the parent her parents were shocked because michael had been one of the neighborhood kids that had been to their house before for dinner and had been around hanging out with their kids and they were shocked but they had always thought and this is kind of going back to what you're saying about this tendency show young they had always they thought like, this kid is weird yeah. this kid has weird tendencies he'll do weird things he doesn't like to be in the house but sometimes he would just go in and sit there and wait for the dad to come home for hours like one time he sat there waited for their dad to come home for hours and then when he got home he just like left he was just sitting in the house you know like weird. just weird behaviors well, like, that imagine as a parent like knowing that kid and like noted noting all the weird behaviors that he has and stuff and then um and then like finding out he murdered your daughter later like that's insane and then to know that actual like like you would just feel like you could have like oh i could have done something to stop that yeah like, survivor's guilt is a real yeah. thing and it things where it's like it's right under your nose the whole time you yeah know? exactly and yeah i from what i can tell so far it's like it took them decades to figure out who it was or yeah. a decade yeah, yeah. And so the day of her murder, actually, Trisha had driven in a car with um, Michael Gargiulio and some other friends because they had picked her up on the way Uh. when she was walking home. And that is actually going to end up being a bigger problem because, uh, as you'll see later, after they hear about um, Small's theory, these detectives from Cook County, uh, they hear his theory of Michael Gargiulio being the murderer of Ashley Ellerin. They test 
Michael's DNA against the DNA that was found under Trisha's fingernails at the scene. So the way the way that they got this DNA, they had to obviously get Michael Gargiulio and take him in. They took him to Cedar Sinai Hospital. And when he was on his way there, he made the comment, "Can they find my DNA at a crime scene from 10 years ago?" <laughs> like, well, uh, my gosh. <laughs> he's literally offering up all these comments yeah. and, and things like, about not, not the scene I, and d- things like not that. Not that I w- was at a crime scene 10 years ago, but hypothetically yeah. like, if I were, would, you- would you get my DNA? So he's just saying these things, like, on the ride to the hospital, just things things like that, you know, like, can they find my DNA and things like that. So as they're, they get his DNA, and as they're waiting for Tess to come back, he begins a relationship with a woman in L.A. named uh. Maria Garola. Uh, but their relationship ends after he becomes threatening and hits her so hard in the eye that her retina detaches. Oh and he then continued stalking her until she got a restraining order against him. And that's in 2002. Good for her. And like, did they connect that when he, he got the restraining order? Did they didn't like connect that to the fact that he murdered someone? Like, like they no, they're just waiting for the test yeah, results like, for the DNA to come back. I feel like oh. that would be extra evidence. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, yeah. okay, you should probably He's keep an eye on this yeah, guy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and a bit later in 2003, the results from the DNA test come back, and it's a, his DNA is a match to the DNA Ooh. found under Trisha's oh fingernails. However... However, ladies and gents, the Cook County Sheriff's Office decides that they do not have enough evidence to charge this man. Why? Why, you might ask? Because Trisha had been in a van with him that very same day getting a ride home. But here's the thing. Here's how you boom, boom. (laughs) That is a BS thing to say. Because Trisha that day had been in contact with probably at least 20 people, her parents estimate, at least 20 people. The only person's DNA found on her was Michael Gargiulio, and the people in the van with them were willing to testify that they never touched. But oh my gosh! Just, well, there you go. Like, uh, but they like, just said, "Well, since there's a chance, we can't even think of charging." Yeah, him. but that's crazy to even like throw it out. Then, if you have this DNA match, like, go get more evidence. You know, don't just like throw it up. Like, well, it doesn't match. Let's just like yeah. Look, put let's just put it away for now. Like, Here's what an LA detective said about this DNA theory. Yeah, he said this is what the detective said about the DNA theory that Cook County had. Is it possible? He said yes, and it's possible that Barack Obama is going to appoint me head of Homeland Security, and Cindy Crawford is going to leave her boyfriend for me. I haven't gotten my letter from the president, and Cindy Crawford isn't banging at my door. <laughs> so basically, the the sheriffs from LA County are like, that's BS. Like, and you know it. So. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think was his reasoning? The reasoning for not charging him? Yeah. Because they just said we don't have enough evidence. But because they're saying if there's even a chance that yeah, that's true. his I mean, DNA could have gone on her another way. But the thing but is, I just feel like they swept just, it under the rug. They really you know? did. It wasn't it's like, it's good not, detective work. That's what it was. It's not just them saying like, oh, let's look for more stuff. Let's not put this away quite yet. They were just like it. Like it matches, but there's a chance that it's not. For sure, so let's just not worry about it anymore. Yeah, but like, uh, yeah, that's true. Like, I don't know, just that would that would be awful to know that you were responsible for putting an innocent man in jail, though, and stuff. So at like, the same so like, time, though, the they didn't time, do like take any the chance of like letting a like a actual murderer just go on. Yeah, and the thing is own. that their DNA theory was so far fetched because of that fact of like, if she had been in con, there's people who are saying they never touched, and she'd 
touched other people that day. So why would his DNA be underneath her fingernails? It's yeah, like they didn't do enough research investigating it's into It's like, it. you know that DNA is usually found under murder victims' fingernails mm-hmm. because they try to fight back and they scratch uh, their yeah, yeah. attacker. So yeah, then it's, it's like, like, why would you just... Like... Yeah, it's it's just, it's dumb. And it gets more tragic because they don't charge him, right? And in 2005, on December 1st, Michael Gargiulio attacks a woman named Maria Bruno. She's an aspiring model, and she lives in the same apartment complex that Michael Gargiulio does at this time. So what happened is he climbed through her window at night and stabbed her 17 times. Oh, my God. Similarly to Ellerin's death, he stabbed her so hard that she was nearly decapitated. And this is the part I was telling you about where it gets that weird sexual component, which is... Gargiulio repositioned her body, cut off her breasts, and then put one of her breasts in her mouth. Oh my gosh. What? And they think that, (sighs) thankfully, the only good thing about this, and it's not even that good, is that they think a lot of that was done post-mortem, which is like, at least she didn't suffer. But still, it's like, it's so vicious. so bizarre. That's, uh, I hate, I hate reading and hearing about serial killers because there's a lot who do these really weird like posing the dead bodies and like cutting off like parts of the bodies and like re you know what i'm saying or it's just insane and this is obviously a person that he just hates women clearly so because he's cutting off things that are that make someone a woman pretty much like you know in terms of like biological like what yeah, quote unquote make someone a woman mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's just so great i because i know they're like um i'm pretty sure it was the v- san francisco vampire killer that's a different one after he killed this one woman he cut off her nipples and that's just yeah. disgusting to me like the that whole idea ted bunny that did that have, yeah that they have to keep doing these like nasty like, it's just like the uh, fact mu- that mutilation stuff after like rather they already yeah. killed the person but they still got to keep going and, mutilating. and it's like you have a dead body there's a dead human being in front of you and your first thing isn't oh dead that's a dead person i killed someone it's let me calmly move this body Dude, and then mutilate this yeah. person and there's nothing like, gonna stop me the whole part about putting the breast in the mouth too just is so it's disturbing si- it's yeah that's so, the word disturbing like what what's that's, that's three separate murders total right yes okay yeah and it's even them? more tragic when you think about the fact that they had a dna match to another murder yeah, and chose exactly. not to and stopped that's, it. yeah the things like i'm not saying obviously like oh like charge an innocent man but it's more so like if you still get a DNA match and you kind of know, look into it, look into it a little more. Yeah. And so the only evidence that's found at the scene of this crime is a blue medical booty like that you'd put over your shoes, you know, because he's obviously trying to hide any forensic evidence that you would mm. be able to find. Yeah. Bad job if you leave the booty there. Yeah, like, that's very then it true. It kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. Of, yeah. Like, but um, three years later. In April of 2008, Gargiulio attacks another woman. It's like... At this... Yeah, oh my god. It's like... And the crazy thing is... when did they find out he... For the last one, the last murder, when did he... 2003. They find that DNA match. Uh, And this is 2005, though, you just said? 2005 is the last murder. Yeah. When did they find out that it was him that did that? Like, how did they... After, um... In 2008... 
Oh, okay. In 2008, they found but it. But okay. that, that's only because of a near-miss incident. That's what I'm saying. The, here's the thing. There's one... This murder... Well, not murder. You'll see. It... Three years later, April of 2008, Gargiulio attacks a woman named Michelle Murphy who lives in Hollywood. She had just finished doing laundry and she was asleep in her bed for an hour before she woke up to a man straddling her, stabbing her arms and chest. Oh my god. She's panicked, obviously, but in her panic, she grabs the blade of the knife. Badass Carol DeRanche moment. She grabs the blade of the knife and she kicks him until he gets off her bed, hurting him. And she cuts him in the process, which makes him start bleeding. Oh. And as he's uh. leaving her apartment, he because she's like fighting back so hard that he just decides to leave. This part is horrifying to me. As he's leaving her apartment, he says, I'm sorry. And he leaves down the stairs and a trail of blood follows him uh. as like he's bleeding. So Michelle Murphy survived. Badass. Awesome human being. She survives. Thank God for that. That is yeah. like amazing. Can you but imagine because there's so many instances of like survivor stories where they're get I've heard there's many where they're getting stabbed and they survive, but a lot of times how they stop getting stabbed, they grab the blade of the knife. Yeah. That's the well, only thing they could reach. But like well, well, that's, like that's how you wake up. You literally just wake up to that. Uh, that and, like, there's so many parts of this that is like the description of her just crime scene is her lying in a pool of her own blood oh when God. she gets I, found because she's she woke up to being stabbed. Yeah. And just imagine how Nothing horrifying that trauma- must be. Yeah. You wake up and someone is straddling you and stabbing you. Yeah. Like I, like even though she wasn't killed, she will probably never recover from the trauma that that causes that oh, i'd be terrified I to ever go to bed again do you know what i'm saying yeah. like yeah that that's well, something that like, will live with you your entire life and like you know how everybody like like you've heard talk you've heard about that that moment you wake up and it's like before you're like fully conscious and awake and it's just like people write songs about how it's just that perfect moment before you worried about stress or anything like that doesn't exist for her anymore like i'm sure just waking up every single is, time yeah. is just traumatizing yeah. Go, like, going to bed and waking up because yeah. going to bed she knows like i what if i go to bed and then something bad happens and waking up is terrifying because that's yeah. what when she found out that and, she was getting stabbed and we're just talking about the emotional trauma right mm-hmm. now not even the physical like with break-ins it's always also that trauma of like your home your bedroom yeah. your bed is your safe place it's supposed to be the that's one place anymore. you're safe and then to have that taken away from you like literally your bed is like the one place where you're supposed to feel like you can relax and like let your guard down and then just have mm-hmm. that taken away like where can you feel safe and then the fact that she how she survived it she definitely cut herself even more in the process of trying to fight back but obviously to survive she had to fight through that like immense pain of like grabbing the blade fighting back with this guy who has the upper hand like that that takes like incredible she's amazing it's instinct though too is it's just like is some people just like have this natural instinct when that's happened to just like the fight or flight response kind of thing is like some people just yeah can like have that where it's just immediately their initial response instead of trying to protect them or like their their way of protecting themselves is to, to just grab it. yeah to fight back well that's the naturally. thing with, um 
it really when your life is on the line you that's it just kicks in because yeah but imagine and you're, it's, you're not as calm and it's also like just so sad everything. to think about this trauma that she went through like other people went through it and weren't so lucky yeah that's true like these because yeah. the thing is you can't think of it like she's the only one that fought back i'm sure the rest of the victims woke up to the same thing I fought imagine. back loss so it's just it's it's really sad it's just crazy the whole i yeah it's a, amazing that she survived it but at the same time it's like look all these other people didn't and it's amazing that it's just amazing that she did like you know but then he walks out and says i'm sorry <laughs> that's like the worst just because it's like don't act like you have any saying. remorse or yeah any understanding of another yeah. human, human being because you are violating everything that's sacred about somebody yeah to act like you are the victim almost by saying i'm sorry and leaving do you know what i'm saying making yourself more human after doing something so inhumane like that yeah it's so after he leaves detectives test the blood trail that's left behind by this yeah they did and they found that it matched the dna found under trisha's fingernail clippings well, there you go there you go Tokyo. so they go with a Long warrant enough. and yeah. they arrest um, michael gargiulio and they find out that he actually lived in the apartment complex right next to michelle murphy and this is gonna okay. just make you upset caitlin they found that the apartment where he was living with his wife had a perfect view oh, into michelle murphy's second floor apartment <laughs> so he was watching her from a, a cross but he had a wife and kids oh my gosh how did they not catch him by this point they have him as a suspect after the 2001 murder he they already got the dna match even if they weren't 100 percent sure about it his girlfriend at the time got a restraining order he has a history of abuse his like location in the apartment like all these stuff how did they not catch him earlier it's just it is really like sad because i think that a lot of times especially like clearly the detective work got better because he is on trial in custody he's not gonna be hurting anyone you know yeah but it is just a bummer because there's this like could have happened so much sooner it's just when yeah. you look ba- i get when you look back on it like be more retrospective it's you kind of put the puzzle pieces together and you say like this could have been done a lot faster but it's also just crazy to me that like he has a wife and kids like imagine oh, yeah. finding out that your dad did that or like that you married a murderer yeah all of it like well and my question is was he abusive to that wife and was it just a case of domestic abuse that never got called in Wait, so i'm assuming this is his wife he married after his girlfriend that he yeah after the person that got a restraining order against him it's crazy just yeah so a lot like the fact that some serial killers or killers in general can live such a double life it's just that thing over and over again it's like the way they get away with their crimes is like living that double life and um on a hunch okay this is back to my hunch john Mulaney detective this detective um on the michelle murphy attempted murder just says huh this sounds really similar to a murder i heard about happening a few years ago he calls up the detective from the maria bruno case because in michael's apartment they found a single bag with a blue medical booty in it a bag with one single blue medical booty in it in his apartment oh like exactly like the one that was left, left at oh. the maria bruno case the matching p- 
hair. <laughs> he kept it, which is terrifying and stupid. No so they found that the skin cells matched. So they can now connect him to two murders he and an attempted murder in Los not, Angeles. He does not understand the point of booties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I, to get rid of evidence. You don't keep it and leave one behind. The good thing about that, though, is that now they can connect him to two murders because they... Because of how similar the crimes were between Ashley Ellerin's case and the fact that it it was having so much, and they had his name from her case, then they could they can match it to Maria. Okay, so they have his name from the Ashley Ellerin case. Then they can match um her case to Trisha's case, right? The 1993 murder. They can match. Uh, Trisha's DNA to the DNA found at Michelle Murphy's attempted murder and because of that they can arrest him and find the blue medical booty which connects it to Maria Bruno's murder it's what he deserves so they all connect connect. intertwine to kind of they found enough they all lead to him yes and so they arrest him in 2008 uh, for two counts of murder, one count of attempted murder, and although they arrested him in 2008, he's just now going to trial in 2019, which is why I've been, we've been seeing all this news, because Ashton Kutcher just testified in court. They're also going to be extraditing him to Illinois for the murder of Trisha Picaccio, mm. and he will be... Um, that murder will also be recounted when they're talking about the Los Angeles mur- uh, murders because there's a law we have here which says that it, even if it's from another state, if you can connect a murder because of its similarity and because you have evidence for it, then that can be used as uh, yeah. something to be considered by the jury. So this trial is obviously not over and everyone is innocent until proven guilty, but the just purely by honest. forensic evidence, <laughs> evidence and the fact that the timelines perfectly match up. The, well, the boot, like, this is one of those cases where it's just like, there's no other, there's got to be, a, like, some crazy circumstance for him to not be the murderer. The booties are the same, like, the DNA, the location, everything. Like, there's that's yeah. not a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, it still has to be, like, like proven and like concrete but like at this point it's just like it is proven and concrete like his like lo- i mean before i mean yeah that it is yeah you're saying like his locations where he's been where he's lived mm-hmm. matches up with the time and place of the certain murders yeah i mean he still has to go through trial, and he happened I mean, to be also still- living in illinois and that dna matches the dna yeah, from yeah. you know almost like what over 15 years later in los angeles and it just mm-hmm. so happens that everything perfectly matches up no it's there's no coincidence that big you know no, yeah so his, even though his trial is still going on in 2019 we have yet to get an official um guilty not guilty or a sentence but that is basically what we assume to be the crimes of michael Garjulia, the hollywood ripper i was just crazy that like it could have been stopped so so much sooner yeah i actually have a quote if I I think that's a perfect thing to read it uh, on. But here's, you know, Detective Small. We said he was the um, lead detective on Ashley Ellerin's case. And talking about the Cook County detectives, this is what he said. Stupid me. I thought they were going to arrest him, confront him with evidence, and see what he had to say, says Small. That's what I thought, but it didn't work out that way. 
it and then another detective said it troubles me enormously those young women in california are dead because we dropped the ball that's the detective in cook county obviously i don't wish that was an issue at all but it's good that we've learned from it i'd say because i feel like we're getting do you would you say we're getting better at investigating these types of cases i think as time has gone on we've definitely gotten better at having parallel investigations and understanding that police departments need to work together mm-hmm. but you can still s- certainly find instances of detectives dropping the ball on something but i do think overall we've definitely gotten better definitely since yeah. the ted bundy days oh, i don't yeah, think that obviously. could i don't think that could happen today because i think police departments are much more aware of the fact that sometimes murderers cross state lines you know well and just yeah. the whole idea of like like cold cases anymore and stuff i was like i'm sure that's gotten a bit better especially with things revolving around murders like like connecting cold cases to cases that are new and fresh well just yeah yeah Yeah, i think i'm just letting them like go cold in the first place i guess just like stopping the investigation so soon i think is like a little bit less common now there Yeah. yeah there are a lot of cases where they just kind of they investigate and they make it they let it become cold but then later on once they do solve it you realize that it had enough potential to not have become cold at all Uh, yeah yeah. i mean it's like that sorry i know this is the second time i've mentioned john mulaney in this episode but it's like that (laughs) comedy bit that john mulaney says where it's like back back in the old days i mean like it just depends where you compare it to because in like the the 20s you know people people weren't sly about trying to hide the crime they did or trying to do like anything like that like detective work has gotten so much better and it only gives me hope that it will continue to improve you know yeah Yeah. and the thing i was gonna say about um actually comparing how much our investigative work has um improved it's kind of strange because i keep forgetting that this is such a recent case you know yeah it really is usually when i compare like how our uh police departments and forces have um, progressed. I'm comparing like 1960s, 1970s uh, forces to recent ones. But this was early 2000s. Yeah, and we'll have to do an update also once he actually does get mm-hmm. sentenced because um, California is pursuing the death penalty. So he might be gone. Yeah. Gone. Which good like, bye, good riddance, sir. You can't just take people's lives yeah. like that. But it's, uh, it's definitely it's it's very sad and i i hope that these women get the justice that they deserve and their families get the justice that they deserve and i think there's there's a certain satisfaction when cold cases become solved and things start to connect like recently the golden state killer was um uh charged was he charged or is he still Uh, he's on trial he's on trial that's another I think he's going to die before he actually gets sentenced. Yeah, if you're not familiar, Larson, he's like in his 90s. He was one of the most... I think he's actually like 76. Oh, oh, sorry, 70s. He is one of the most infamous killers of the 70s. And he was in the San Francisco like area, I'm pretty sure. And he was known for his extremely gruesome murders. And the case went cold for for decades. Because they had no evidence... And then recently, through, like, a DNA ancestry, like, 
uh, website that connected the DNA and to also oh, through really? some fantastic detective work by Paul Holes. Paul Holes. And there, um, there's oh gosh, there's so many great people who are involved yeah. in this, but it's like they they were able to find they him and get that all together and, and get him and now he's old yeah like way older yeah. than he was when the crimes committed but we you know it's not cold anymore like we found yeah. him it's so satisfying to know he didn't die before we caught him we got him it does make it a little less satisfying to know that he got to live like 30 years just free and clear after and he yeah, might die before being charged but but at least his last years are gonna be probably miserable and that brings me the slightest bit of joy <laughs> in a weird way yeah because he was a gruesome killer. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's so hopefully awful. this guy also has that same experience like hopefully hopefully even though he may he's 43 now and he's and he murdered since so he much. was 17 yeah. at least hopefully he, now there's well, gonna be yeah closure. he knows he didn't win yeah basically yeah in the end yeah. so huh. that's it's just so hiding in plain sight so double don't lives trust don't trust anyone guys <laughs> that, that's just don't trust him. don't trust your air conditioning man no one trusts yeah. your air conditioning. If a man named Mike, I'm kidding. Sorry if, if any man comes to your building and says, "Hi, I'm the air conditioning guy," close that door. <laughs> close that door. Yeah, but he doesn't need to introduce himself. Yeah, he but can that's, figure it out. That's the case. Of the Hollywood Ripper, ladies and gentlemen, it is still ongoing. But here we are. Yeah, and with that <laughs> sad bummer of a note, we're gonna move on to my favorite segment on this show. Happy things. Yay. Yay. We're going to talk about some happy things. Basically, we're just going to kind of go in a circle. We'll start with you, Larson, where just say like one good thing that's happened in your week, something you're happy about, something oh. you're looking forward to. Well, I mean, this is this is finals week for me, so um, it's pretty stressful, but I think I did really well on my physics final, which I just took today. And, and i needed to do well on physics it in order to keep an a in the class because i was like in an 89 nice and i needed to do get like a 40 out of 50 and i think i got it like i feel confident i got it so so Woo! it's good happy Yay, times Larson. happy things i think yeah. <laughs> and then so yeah summer break now yeah i'm stoked emma and i have some pretty happy things yes. that happened this week we both graduated high school yesterday Woo! class 2019 yeah. baby Woo! No longer <laughs> high school students. Uh, yeah, I How's am. How does it feel? You feel like adults? I feel free, man. <laughs> yes, but I, I keep. I've told this to a lot of people. It doesn't really feel real. I feel like I'm just gonna go to school on Monday again. That's how I feel too. Especially mm-hmm. with I don't know. I, I feel like the weather is a big part of it. It doesn't feel like summer. Like today was so gloomy yeah. for me, and it was my last day of school. And I just think it's I'm just like, like it, it yeah. hasn't sank in yet that it's like moving on i just don't think i'm ready for to leave high school yet i think like in like in the end i am ready but i don't feel like it you know that's why i don't feel like i'm actually leaving yeah um see i'm in the opposite boat man (laughs) i feel like school has been over for a month uh i i haven't been doing anything for a month at least and i'm very happy to be done because honestly i'm excited though yeah high school is high school is a trial man because at least in college you have more freedom and i'm ready for that this is us getting thrown into the real world but more than anything i like of course i'm nervous about it but i am excited like this is kind of what we've been waiting for we've been planning for it all year and it's happening and you know it's fun i am currently functioning on uh zero hours of sleep in the past 29 hours because i just came back from my grad night and here we are so but that's gonna change with summer Summer, I will be making up those lost hours. I'm yeah. gonna have a productive summer. I'm gonna be waking up at like 
seven every morning and just just getting stuff done i i like that i don't trust you anymore larson i that's what a serial killer would say (laughs) what are you getting done larson exactly yeah Uh, do you have anything like making music that's all (laughs) yeah that's good chase by the way (laughs) but but do you have anything other than graduation or just that's the main thing i think that's the main thing that's basically what i've been so excited for this entire week so yeah I'm excited because our friend Aaron just came in town from Las yeah, Vegas. He, so yeah. that's probably, that's, yeah, graduation has definitely been like the main, the main thing. I'm going Four to years. Florida in two weeks. Woo! Maybe wow. I'll experience my own Florida I'm man to, story. I'm going to Europe in two weeks for my oh, That is trip. insane. Yeah. So it's my aunts, my, all my aunts kind of pulled their money to, as my um, graduation gift. So I'm oh, so, where are you so going? Cool. Yeah. I'm going to Paris and then Italy. And with whom? just my uh my aunt and Kara my cousin Kara so that's so exciting that's amazing I'm gonna be there same um the same time as the French class their trip so I'm gonna be (laughs) how long are you gonna be there trying to meet up with them wait when are you going again July 1st I'm gonna be there at the same time as you in Italy no you're not yeah I am oh man I thought you were going to Florida you fool I'm going to Florida but I'm also going to (laughs) I'm going to Italy also. I'm going to be at my house. July. I'm going to be there um, July 10th to the 24th. Yeah, we're going to be in Italy at the same time. Uh, record an episode <gasps> of the so podcast cool. in Italy. <laughs> um, Italy. Oh, an Italian murder. Dude, <laughs> I won't spoil anything, but we're doing an Italian murder soon, and I'm so stoked for it. So Here we Do go. the yeah. entire podcast in Italian accents. Is that racist? No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're in Italy. If anyone, you can't see it right now, Caitlin has just pulled out a chef's hat and she is doing the Italian uh, closed O this is finger shake. So yeah, that's those are our happy things, guys. That's Those Woo. are some good happy things. Yeah. Summer is always a happy thing. They're yeah. bad things, oh, yeah. but they're good things. So. so yeah, those are our happy things, guys. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. And as always, remember... It might not be spilled wine. He's not the air conditioning guy. And most importantly... Don't do horrible things. Woo! Yay! Bye! Bye!